morning. It's uh, good to be with you all again. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, last week we uh, looked at elders from uh, the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we talked about why elders, who should be elders, and what do elders do. Today we're going to look at the second half of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and do the same with deacons. Why, who, and, and what do deacons do? So let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you've done in their midst. During this past year, we pray that you will continue to raise up leaders for them, elders and deacons. We pray that you would raise up a new pastor for them and continue to use them to be your witness in Columbia. We pray that you would speak through me, that it would be your words and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, as I mentioned, we talked about elders. And today, we're going to talk about the other ordained office, uh, deacons. Now, um, uh, Matt uh, or Ronnie mentioned that there's going to be an examination next week of, uh, of uh, two men for uh, office, and they're going to be asked how many offices are there in the Presbyterian Church in America, and the answer is two, elder and deacon. And uh, so they just got one answer given to them on their test already. Um, and you all have two. Uh, so... Paul, in his letters to probably the two men he had the most influence on, although it's hard to say, Paul had so much influence on so many people, but Timothy and Titus are uh, recognized as the two that he uh, put the most time into discipling, and Timothy and Titus both became pastors, Timothy at Ephesus and Titus uh, in Crete. Paul made sure to... Um, expound to both of them the importance of appointing leaders and training up and discipling leaders. Last week we talked about elders. Today we're going to talk about deacons. So we talked about why we need elders and why the church needs spiritual leaders, but uh, why deacons? Well, the reason for deacons is found in Acts chapter 6. And basically the reason that we have deacons is because of the issue of selfishness and actually the issue of racism too. Because the church was having racial issues in chapter 6. The Jewish believers and the Gentile believers were not getting along and not caring for one another. There was a difference of race, there was a difference of language, and the Greek believers were complaining about the Jewish believers that they were not being cared for. Uh, the Jewish believers were also isolating the non-Jewish believers. It doesn't say so in Acts chapter 6, but it says so in uh, Galatians chapter 2. But there are racial conflicts. Because Israel, all throughout the Old Testament heard over and over again that they were God's chosen people, and so they were. But then, when the gospel was preached, and God made it really clear 
And Paul made it really clear, and others made it really clear in the New Testament that, yes, there are two types of people in the world, but the two types of people are not Jew and non-Jew. They are believer and non-believer. And that those are the only distinctions that God makes among people. There are two types of people, those who know him, those who don't. He makes that distinction over and over again in Scripture, but that's the only distinction he makes. In fact, through the Apostle John, we read about heaven is going to be a time where all races and all nationalities will be worshiping together. But the church was having trouble with that. They were having trouble with that in the Galatians church. They were having trouble with that in the early church. And the office of deacon was created in order to make sure that compassionate care among the church was being done. That while the apostles, while the elders were preaching and teaching, doing the leading and feeding that we talked about last week, directing and protecting, that the deacons and ordained office too were making sure that physical needs and compassionate needs were being carried out throughout the church. Because we do have the problem in church that we don't deal with differences well. We have racism issues in the church. The problem is our society has got it all wrong. Our society is trying to teach that racism is a product of what culture you belong to. Or racism is the product of whether you're the quote-unquote dominant culture. Or racism can be cured by a certain amount of dogma that's taught in the schools. Unfortunately, that is totally 180 degrees contradictory from what the Bible says. The Bible says racism is one of many sins, and racism is because we are sinners and we have rebelled against the king. That racism is not going to be cured until people bow down and repent of their sin and come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It is a sin, and there are many sins. And it is a sin because we are sinners, not because of what culture we belong to, what race we belong to. And what else does the scripture say about racism? It says that all races are racism. And that if green men came down from Mars and they were put in charge, they would be racist too. We're all racist because we're all sinners. And we are so poor at getting along with people of different cultures that a church office had to be created to make sure that fairness and equality between the various cultures in our church were taken care of. And thus we have the office of deacon. Now we're going to be talking about more about uh, the office of deacon a little bit later. That's not all they did. They didn't all just wait on tables. But the deacons were the champions of teaching us about compassion, care, and love for all people. And when you look at the list of deacons in Acts chapter 6, and I know this is not a, uh, a sermon on Acts chapter 6, but you couldn't help but tying it in, there was a list of five men that were put forward. They were not all Jews. They were a multiracial group of men, converts from Antioch. Antioch was not a Jewish... Nicholas, one of the men put forward, was not a Jew. He was a convert 
to Christianity from Antioch. He was one of them, quote-unquote. He was one of the peoples that were being overlooked and under care for. And so even the early church, recognizing that we need to be a church of many cultures and many peoples, had deacons at the very beginning that were not of the dominant culture. And so the deacons set the example of being, of what heaven is going to be like, a multicultured, multi-raced church, worshiping and caring and showing compassion. But that is why we have the office of deacons, so that the church can carry out the love and compassion for all of its members, as different as we are, and lead us in, uh, in, in that area. Now, who should be deacons? Paul writes to Timothy, there are some similarities to who should be elder. One of the similarities is that it's all about character. Last week we mentioned for elders, it was 90% character, 10% doctrine. You see the same thing here. It's all about characters, not double-tongued. Being able to rule their own houses. Uh, men who are full of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 6 adds uh, di different qualities, but uh, deacons need to be examples of hospitality, compassion, and care. Deacons need to be men of high character, just like elders. There's not a lot of difference in the description of character between an elder and a deacon. And I just want to take the time as we talk about who... Um, we talked about this in, in uh, deacon training. Deacon is not a step to elder. It never was meant to be in the church. Some people who are ordained as deacon eventually recognize that God's gifts have changed in their lives and become elders. But it is not a stepping stone to, oh, let's uh, ordain this man as a deacon, and as they mature later on, we'll ordain them as an elder. There are two separate offices with two different sets of gifts. And one is not a stepping stone to the other. Sometimes People in our denomination think that, but it is really not. And, uh, and, and most leaders and pastors, uh, the vast majority of them will acknowledge that it is not. It is different gifting. And yet, the elders, we see the compassion of Peter caring for people in Acts chapter 9 and in other places. Uh, and we see the longest sermon in the New Testament given by a deacon, Stephen. So be careful about asking Matt to preach. So. Or else you might be here for a while because the deacon, uh, deacons gave the longest sermon in the, in, the, in the New Testament and one of the best sermons in all of Scripture, I will say. Uh, the sermon that Stephen gives, I commend that to you for extra reading if you want to see uh, uh, that message. And yet Stephen was chosen because he was a man of compassion and care and, uh, and, and serve. So elders and deacons overlap in their gifts. Deacons uh, sometimes are gifted preachers and elders are men of compassion, but their charge and, and their roles differ in that elders mainly lead and feed, direct and protect. The deacons uh, are the compassionate, oversee the compassionate work of the church, the care, the physical needs. It doesn't mean that 
you and the congregation don't do that because we're all called to be able to teach one another, even though elders are called to be your main teachers and leaders. And we are all called to hospitality, compassion, and care for the poor and the needy in our congregation and our community, even though deacons are ordained to be leading that and, and directing that. So in a sense, all of us have the responsibilities of elders and deacons, but in another sense, God specifically ordains men to do this, and deacons in particular to lead us in hospitality, compassion, meeting the needs of the poor, physical care. Now one difference between an elder and a deacon is last week we saw an elder had to be an apt teacher, be able to teach the Word of God. The substitute verse for the deacons says they have to be able to uphold, maintain, understand the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. What does that mean? That basically means that a deacon needs to be able to understand and assent to the doctrine that our denomination teaches, which is what we believe the Word of God teaches. It means that a deacon doesn't necessarily have to show gifts and abilities to teach, but they have to be solid in what they understand. They need to be able to assent to and understand what our church, what our faith believes, what the scriptures teach. And so a certain amount of maturity is still required for a deacon, maturity in God's word, understanding it and knowing it. Unlike the elder, it says that deacons also should be tested first. Now people would say, why, why do the deacons, why should they be tested first and, and not elders? That's a good question. But when you look at the quality of elders and the ability to teach the word, that kind of presupposes that they have been believers for a long time and already tested. Because to be able to know and understand and teach the word, presumably you would have need to live it and, and been involved in God's church for quite a while and, and had that experience. And so it's implied that elders have been believers for a long time, grounded in God's word for a long time, and, and also tested. But deacons were generally younger and generally newer. And so being tested with smaller activities as a recommendation, again, in 1 Timothy 3 for deacons. Have they shown gifts of compassion? Have they been leading your compassion ministries, your ministries to the poor, your ministries to those different than you, your English language ministries, the other ministries that we do to people of uh, different cultures and different backgrounds in our church? Are they champions of supporting our missionaries and of, of spreading the gospel? Because honestly, and this is why deacons need to be grounded in God's word, you cannot have a ministry of compassion without a ministry of the word. Because the worst compassion you can show anybody is not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the ultimate gift of compassion is salvation in Jesus. Because the alternative is condemnation without Jesus. So compassion ministries are always coupled with the Word of God. And this is what distinguishes uh, the PCA and other Bible-believing denominations from liberal denominations, which will do the compassionate work without the gospel. 
not to put too fine a word on it, but uh, if you have a poor man and you give him a million dollars, but do nothing for his spiritual condition, instead of a poor sinner going to hell, you now have a rich sinner going to hell. So that is why the Word of God is so important in compassionate ministries. At the same time, Paul, later on in the letter to Timothy, warns that people that don't show compassion and care specifically to their own families, um, and this is the only time in Scripture this phrase is ever used, are worse than unbelievers. And so you see Paul's double need there for Paul's double, uh, uh, double teaching of you need compassion. Compassion must be part of a Christian ministry, but you need compassion with the Word of God in tandem. And uh, so one without the other is heartless, which, whichever you leave out, uh, because one takes care of only a physical need and, um, and um, teaching the word without compassion is uh, not modeling Christ who did both. Because Jesus is our model of service. And you very rarely see Jesus doing one without the other. You see him in tandem teaching the word and, and showing compassion. And that is why it's so important for deacons to be grounded in the scriptures as well as leading the ministry of compassion because it's the model that Jesus sent us. It's the model that, that Jesus did. While Jesus preached, he fed. While Jesus preached, he healed. While Jesus preached, he loved. And Jesus ministered, Jesus ministered to more than the Jews. He ministered to others who weren't Jewish. The leper that was one of ten and the only non-Jew and the only one who gave thanks. To, um, to the woman who, uh, who begged uh, Jesus to heal her and Jesus said, uh, I came to the lost sheep of Israel first. And her response was, yes, Lord, but even the dogs are given the scraps from the table. And Jesus said, your faith has healed you. The Roman centurion, who was occupying uh, the Jewish state at the time, Jesus healed his son. We see the model of Jesus compassionate to all the races, even those who were oppressing Israel at the time. And so we see the importance of the ministry of the deacons leading us in compassion and mercy ministries. So the deacon passage also talks a little bit about uh, wives of deacons. And another question is usually answer, asked, well, why are there no comments about wives of elders? Um, one, one interpretation is, well, they're perfect anyway. Um, but that's probably, uh, as, as much as uh, I know two women in this congregation who were thrilled to hear that, uh, my wife and, uh, and, and Tiffany there, but uh, unfortunately that's not, uh, that's not why uh, wives are not mentioned for, uh, for elders. Uh, wives are not mentioned for elders because, again, Paul 
when he lists qualifications, never writes exhaustively, but it is implied in the writings. The, the sense of households being run well and maturity implies the, uh, that the husband and wife have a level of, of Christian maturity, and the deacons were generally younger. There's also a second in, interpretation of this, and that some Bible-believing churches uh, will say that uh, this refers to deaconesses and that women, although in agreement that women cannot serve as elders and pastors, women should be allowed to serve as deacons, and the scriptures are clear here. And some Bible-believing denominations hold to that. Some people in the PCA hold to that. It is not a majority view, but, is a, but it, is a, uh, it is a substantial minority view in our denomination that it, it is okay for deacons uh, to be women. Uh, I don't know the percentages, I just know it's a, a minority view. Uh, the, the Greek word is kind of uh, unclear in my limited knowledge of Greek because deacons' wives and deaconesses, the, the same word or, or general root of the word, were, uh, were used. Partially because husbands and wives ministered together and often served together. When we talk about uh, in 1 John, when 1 John mentions uh, couples and churches that are being run in their house, you see partnership in the, in the ministry. So it gets to be very difficult, uh, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm not going to try to uh, uh, go down that road, but that is one of the reasons uh, why there is something about, uh, about deaconesses or deacons' wives here. There is a, a difference of view of whether it's actually talking about deacons, deaconesses, uh, deacons' wives, or uh, ordained women deacons. It is um, worthy of noting that when Paul, in Acts chapter 6, first established deacons, he said, nominate men who were filled with uh, the Holy Spirit and not men and women. And that is one of the evidences that holds uh, to the fact that this is actually talking about deacons' wives and not ordained deaconesses. But as I said, our, 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 there is a minority view in our church that has, doesn't have an issue with ordained women deacons. And there are other Bible-believing denominations uh, around that do uh, ordain women deacons. We do not in the PCA, although we do have deacons assistants who are non-ordained women who work alongside the deacons. And many churches in our denomination and many churches in our presbytery have deaconesses, a non-ordained non -ordained office. And uh, the qualifications you see, what is mentioned about deacons' wives here, again, not slanderers, and uh, called to a godly character just like the, uh, the male deacons. Notice also that as we look at who should be deacon, that there's an emphasis on speech that uh, it is very important that our words back up our compassionate efforts, and that is why there is such an uh, emphasis on deacons' wives or deaconesses should not be slanderers, and deacons should not be double-tongued. That uh, although character in general is called for as we ordain elders and deacons, and deacons in particular, uh, 
the um, character of how they speak, not being double-tongued, not being slanderers, is specifically called out for qualifications. So we talked about why deacons. We talked about who should be deacons. What do deacons do? Well, we see the example in Acts chapter 6 of caring for those in the church. But we also see in Acts chapter 8 deacons doing evangelism. Deacons out um, deacons taking leadership responsibility. Later on in chapter, uh, I think chapter 18 or 19 of Acts, we see uh, one of the deacons who had four daughters that prophesied was uh, caring for Paul along his missionary journey. We see Stephen, as we mentioned before, taking opportunity to preach the word of God. But deacons in our denomination have a dual role of taking care of compassionate uh, needs and ministries in the church and also in the community. Churches vary in the PCA about how much community ministry they do, but I believe that the scripture calls us to uh, have compassionate ministries within the community, to care for the poor, the needy, the oppressed, uh, the, the uh, underprivileged, of the at-risk people in our community. Why do I say that? Well, because we see the model of our Lord and Savior Jesus doing it and setting the, the, the model for ministry. We also see in the Old Testament, in the book of Amos, in the book of Isaiah, and in other places, the condemnation of the church for not caring for the poor around you and not caring for the oppressed around you and not caring for justice around you. We also see the model that God gave us in the theocracy under Moses and Joshua that the poor were cared for, that there was a year of jubilee every seven years where debts were forgiven. When you gleaned the fields, you left a certain amount for the poor to be able to gather for themselves. We have the model throughout scripture that the church is responsible for caring for the poor and the needy in our neighborhoods and in our surrounding areas. I think the scriptures are very clear that the diaconal ministry is a ministry both within and without of the, of the church. And so as you think about new deacons and God possibly raises up new deacons or if you get new deacons in the future and you think, what does the diaconal ministry look like? I believe the scriptures teach that deacons set the example and lead the ministries of compassion both in and out of the church. Now, a reminder and a charge to the church that because, just because you have deacons leading us in that area, it doesn't mean that we're not called for it because it wasn't the deacons that God called out in the Old Testament for not caring for the poor because they didn't have deacons at the time. It was all the church. And so we are all responsible for compassionate ministries. Our deacons lead us and disciple us and mentor us and direct us in those areas, but we are all called to care for those around us that, that don't know Jesus. We're all called to minister, we're all called to care, we're all called to be involved. But the deacons are specifically called and ordained to lead us and guide us in that ministry. Deacons 
deserve the same honor, encouragement, support, prayer, and submission that elders do. As I mentioned it before, but it's worthy of mentioning it again, it is not a stepping stone, it is not a lower office. We are, when we agree to submit to our brothers uh, in leadership, it is not only the elders, it is also the deacons. And as uh, we saw this morning and, and we've seen before, deacons also lead in worship, uh, have been known to preach, and, uh, and are godly spiritual men who can give counsel and advice and shepherding and mentoring. It's not their main calling, but that doesn't mean they don't or can't do it. And, and we need to honor, encourage, submit to, and, and pray for our deacons. So as you prepare to welcome new elders and deacons, uh, I hope you uh, get a general understanding of the scriptures for, number one, the importance of these offices. Paul made it very clear to Timothy that this is something you need to do. He made it very clear to Titus that he needed to do, and it was recorded in the book of Acts by Luke. Out of all the things Luke could have recorded in the book of Acts, he recorded the creation of the office of deacon because he saw it as vital and important that the church in perpetuity for all ages have this information and, and, uh, and have this instruction. So we see the, the importance and the necessity of these offices. And it is a serious thing to go forward and, uh, and, and be ordained. It's a lifetime commitment that the Lord is calling these men to. And a lifetime commitment of support, encouragement, prayer, um, and, and submission to them that God is calling you to as a congregation. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the offices of elders and deacon. We pray that you would continue to work in the lives of these men you are preparing for these offices. We pray that you would continue to work in our congregation to be able to encourage and support these men. And we thank you for the leaders you've risen up, Lord, and pray that you would continue to rise up new leaders at City of Hope and continue to work on them to be a compassionate, godly witness to Columbia. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.